0: It's time for you better, you bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment.
1: It's you better, you bet from BetQL. Hour number three, you better, you bet. It's Ryan Horvath and PJ Glass. They're filling in for Nick and Ken. Nick and Ken back tomorrow. Check out the show right here. WatchStadium.com. Also, you could listen to You Better You Bet live on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. Watch live 24-7 on the BetQL network and directly on the free Odyssey app. Check us out on Twitch, YouTube, the BetQL network, all that fun stuff. We've gotten into a lot so far. So the uh, Raptors, to start the show, the breaking news, trade Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers. They get three first-round picks, two in 2024 and then one in 2026. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up a little bit later on. But we got some more breaking news, Peach and this is some good news for your boys, as Ian Rappaport reports that Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, as he nears a return to the playoff field after a significant ankle injury, a full participant today wow. at practice. This is usually like it's a 16 crazy. to 18 week injury, oh and it looks like they could get him back. I mean, just having him back on the field, man, will be huge. It was like a
2: decoy. Mm-hmm. that's obviously Lamar's favorite target it's his best friend he came into the league with him that's crazy what what a story what a development that is if Andrews plays Likely's been great but I mean you know Andrews is one of the best uh, that, that could be big I'm interested to see if he plays you know we were talking about that earlier when we were breaking down Ravens Texans I wouldn't touch any Andrews props if they say that he is going to play and that wouldn't scare me off of uh, that wouldn't scare me off of Likely either you know I think even if Andrews plays, likely he's going to get his normal workload. He would get his normal targets, and I think it would be fine. But, you know, obviously the gamesmanship, Ryan, like, you know, if they are playing – plan on playing Andrews, and yeah. they kind of know that they will, but they won't announce it until Saturday, two hours before kick – any kind of advantage that they can have, I think uh, they're, they're going to keep it. But it's, I mean, it's crazy that he had a chance. Because when the injury happened, they thought best case, maybe they could have him back for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And now we're in the divisional round. The guy might play. Crazy. Yeah. Who scares you more?
1: Kansas City or Buffalo? You went. Bu- you said Buffalo yesterday. You stick by that?
2: Who scares me more. For the Ravens. Yeah.
1: If we're penciling, or, or to the Texans, maybe scarier.
2: scary. The... No, the Chiefs scare me more. Mahomes will always scare me. Always. Yeah. He'll always scare me more. I think uh I think both would be would be a heck of a test, but I think the uh the Chiefs would scare me more over Buffalo. Personally, for the Ravens.
1: All right, let's talk some tennis. Let's do it with one of our favorite guests here, Kenny Ducey from the Action Network. Kenny, uh before we even actually get into the Australian Open, we gotta talk a little bit. I haven't talked with you uh since the start of football season about our Jets. Uh do you expect them to bounce back next season? Are you a believer in Aaron Rodgers still and Robert Sala? I mean, am I not a Jets fan? I expect them to bounce back every single year. That's
3: the trick of being a Jets fan. They always convince you that things are going to be different this time, and they never are. I never I never liked Robert Sala. I never wanted Zach Wilson. I've talked to myself into both of those guys, and I regret it. And I don't think so. No, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's very hard to process my emotions after what's been a very long season of trying to convince myself everything's okay and then it hasn't been. But – uh I don't know. I don't know, man. It's hard to say that just Aaron Rodgers coming back is going to fix this, but I don't know. Maybe we'll see how the draft goes. Maybe they could trade back in the first round, get a second round pick. And uh, I I think honestly, I mean, yeah, drafting a lineman is imperative, but I think drafting a receiver is kind of more imperative. I think it's a receiver league now.
2: Kenny, before we get into some tennis, just sticking with football, are there any bets that you like for this week? Or, you know, are there any teams that you like to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, honestly,
3: I, I'm i starting to ch- try to talk myself into the Chiefs uh, th- to win this because I, look, I mean, in, in years past, I've been kind of a big fan of taking their, uh, you know, of, of their future bets, and I've, I've made some money, but um, I don't know, I, it, it's a very strange landscape right now. I don't trust the Buffalo Bills. I certainly, I, I really, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, for me and for pretty much everybody, I think, have been the, the favorite favorites uh to win the Super Bowl. I mean, at least on the AFC side. I, I I do think that the champion's gonna come from the AFC. But yeah, I mean I I I think in terms of this week, I'm all over the Packers again. Um I, I, I like them to continue what they've been doing and then uh other than that it's I, I think I have to take Kansas City as well to win that game. And then I, I also think I'm thinking about taking them to win the Super Bowl, honestly. Yeah. I, mean, I saw a Video of them dancing to uh, Swag Surf on the sideline. I think that's maybe why I'm so biased towards taking the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to uh, buy into the Chiefs. I mean, not that that's really like a hot take. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy (laughs) Reid. So let's get into the Australian Open. Before we hit on the futures, anything that you like tonight? We're going to get back underway in about like two hours. I got like three and a half hours of sleep last night. Uh, So a lot of coffee, and I'm drinking what's uh, Celsius right now, and it's not helping me at all. Anything that you like tonight? Any bets that you have?
3: Yeah, I, it, it's, you have to go with the, your own routine. I've been nocturnal, uh, but I've also been, been consuming a lot of caffeine. I like plenty tonight. Uh, I'll give you two that I'm looking at, two underdogs uh, that will be going off very shortly, I think around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Jack Draper, this British kid, is going to be playing Tommy Paul, an American. Um, now, th- th- the thing about betting, obviously, is that you're always looking for value and you're always trying to read lines, and one of the things that's very – Stinky about this line is that Jack Draper, historically, he's he's very young. He's still just 21 years of age. Uh, he has all-world talent. I mean, if, if this kid was born into a different body, uh, well, maybe not because he has amazing speed and, and strength, right? But uh, he, he's, his body has tended to give out on him. He's had a lot of injuries, and he's had a lot of issues with conditioning, um, and in the heat, specifically. So... Uh, he, that has uh, really held him back from being a top 10 player. Uh, other than that, he has no weaknesses in his game. He, he is, is pretty much a perfect tennis player. And what we've seen, regardless of, uh, uh, or in spite of his lack of conditioning, he's still made the fourth round of a grand slam twice, doing so at the U S open uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, I'll tell you what, this line, you know, Jack Draper just went five sets in his first round match. He had to throw up immediately after the match, and yet he's still plus 115 to a top 15 player. Uh, that line smells of Jack Draper to me, and I think Jack Draper has proven a lot in the conditioning department this season. He went, um, believe it or not, there was a three-hour, th- uh, there was a three-set match he played last week that went nearly four hours. He managed to come through that one, and then the very next day, less than 24 hours after that, he took out this same guy, Tommy Paul in two sets, in short order. Uh, so while the narrative, the public narrative, is this kid can't play in the heat, this kid's going to be tired, this kid has no conditioning, he's been adamant that he's put in a lot more work over the offseason now that he's been a little more healthy and that his conditioning is in a better place. I think if you look at the track record this season, that it would certainly back up that his conditioning is in a better place. I think he bounces back after a five-set win and gets this, uh, gets this victory as a very short underdog. And then the other underdog I was looking at tonight, is none other than Jacob Mensik an 18-year-old big-serving check. Uh, I like him to potentially upset Hubert Hurkacz, who at Grand Slams, for whatever reason, despite the fact that he is a pretty much bona fide top-ten player, uh, other than Wimbledon, Hubert Hurkacz has been one of the least reliable guys to bet on in the first week of a Grand Slam. Mensik has a big serve, big game, and a lot of potential. Uh, whether or not he actually manages to win this match, the plus 340 underdog is uh, that's another story. But uh, I I really really like him to cover the spread to get four and a half games right now. I got five and a half last night. Uh, the the price on him to win a set has long drifted, but uh, if you want, take him to cover the spread. Maybe take him to win this match.
2: Kenny, a lot of times when I'm betting tennis, you know, and I don't want to bet one of the favorites on the men's and women's side, I just kind of watch the first couple rounds and I I watch, you know, either a men's or a women's player that I just think like looks good in the first couple matches. Is there a player that maybe you didn't think you were going to bet them in the futures market or you didn't think you would bet them in their next couple matches, but they've really caught your eye so far in the first couple rounds? I mean, on the men's side, honestly, not too many
3: players, right? I, I think uh, before the before the tournament, I was pretty set on Grigor Dimitrov as my big uh, big, big long shot to maybe make the final here. Uh, and, and Alex Minaur as well has had a very good start to the season, cracking the top 10 for the first time, beat Novak Djokovic um, in, uh, in Perth at the United Cup uh, a couple of weeks ago, had a big win there. And, you know, he, he looks really, really poised to do some big things. So... I'm still sticking with those guys, and they're still relatively uh, you know, large underdogs. I would say in terms of someone who looks much better than I thought they would, Stefano Sitsipas would probably fall under that category. You know, He changed his service motion because he hurt his back at the end of last year, and he looked awful uh, through the first two weeks of the season. And all of a sudden last night, he seemed to find that magic. And I think it was maybe facing a guy in Jordan Thompson that's beaten him before, that's had his number, that he maybe doesn't like very much, um, playing in front of a hostile environment. Still didn't really close that match in very convincing fashion, but that is a guy that I certainly think is looking a little bit surprising, but I think he's still up against it in a draw. On the women's side, though, I mean, before the tournament, I, I was sort of in on Helena Ostapenko to-, to maybe win this tournament because of her history against some of the top players in the world. It's obviously 4-0 against Iga Swiatek, She finds herself in Iga Swiatek's quarter. She beat Egan Bouchard last year at the U.S. Open from a set down, which pretty much nobody can claim to. I don't think anyone has ever done that at a Grand Slam. Maybe when Bouchard was 17 years old, and even then, it maybe has only happened one, you know one or one or two times. But um, that is an achievement in and it itself. And Ostapenko uh, won a title last week in Auckland, or excuse me, in uh, in Adelaide. She's looking unbelievable right now, and I just think coming through the Ega quarter. Uh, with that head-to-head, I think she can win that match, and if she wins that match, she could go on to potentially win this tournament. I just really think that the rest of the big three are looking a little bit vulnerable right now. Arena Sambilanka had a good start to the season, but uh, you know, kind of up and down uh, through the first couple of weeks, and has always had the ten. I mean, it- it's been tough to trust her um, at the Grand Slams. And obviously, she won uh, this tournament last year, but uh, you-, you know, those demons still seem to be inside of her. And, uh, you know, Elena Rybakina had a little bit of a scare, uh, uh, I think, two nights ago. Now, I'm, the days are all mixed up for yeah. me because I'm sleeping uh, in the morning and waking <laughs> up at night. But, um, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, the bottom line is I don't think the top players right here are really exerting as much dominance as we've seen them exert over the last year. So why not take Elena Ostapenko, who, I mean, everything is landing for her right now. And that's the key. She has an unbelievable forehand, uh, one of the biggest games on tour, just a matter of whether or not she can actually land her shots. She seems to be doing it right now. But uh, I think the talk of the town is Mira Andriva at plus 1100. So I don't know, man, maybe no one's better than her.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Andriva 11 to 1 and uh, Astapinko's 28 to 1. So like, what do you, I mean, when you look at the prices for the men's, do you feel like there's better value that it's more worth it if you're going to do anything with the outright market to go to the women's market? I mean, Iga's great, plus 240. Um, Like what else, what would be another look for you there? And do you think that there's more value with the women's side than the men's here?
3: I still think there's plenty of value to be found in the men's draw, you know, and and it's, it's been a draw that I've historically bet a lot more over the last few years. Um, the, the one thing I would say is that maybe not in the outright department. Now I will say last yeah. night, you know, Novak Djokovic uh, is clearly sick. He's dealing with something. He had a handkerchief in his pocket or a, a tissue or whatever. I mean, I don't really understand why we ever used to use handkerchiefs and just, we used to have a cloth in our pocket that had, you know, just mucus on it. But, uh, I don't know if it was a handkerchief or whatever it was, but bottom line is he was clearly under the weather last night, did not look very good at all. Uh, you know, really should have dropped the second, the, he dropped the second set to Alexi Popper from a setup and then he probably should have dropped the 30, had to save four set points. Um, so, you know, that does open up some possibilities here as to who might be able to, you know, maybe come out of that quarter and, and win this grand slamming, I mean, you know, in general, it, it might open up some possibilities for who's going to win, But I like playing the quarters just a little bit more here than I do the outright market, just with the presence of Novak Djokovic. Um, with that being said, I did put in one quarter bet uh, the other night before, uh, right after he had played, and it was uh, right after the, the session had concluded. It was Casper Rude to win the fourth quarter at plus plus a 1,000. Now, if you followed me um, for a- any time at all, and I expect that no one has, so I'm, I, that's, I'm <laughs> just saying that, but Rude is never been one of my favorite players to bet on. Um i am thinking I've, I thought his game was very one dimensional in the past. He's really failed to make adjustments during matches and he has a he has a weak backhand, all, all this stuff and also has sort of been fortunate to kind of play the draw in front of him, you know, play pretty easy competition, win a lot of lower level tournaments in the ATP 250s and and boost his ranking that way. But I'll tell you what, you know, after a, a terrible really for his standards twenty twenty-three season, a, a pretty down year, he's come out in this twenty twenty-four year looking unbelievable. He's socking the ball. You know, even in an exhibition match against Carlos Alcaraz, he was really uh, moving around the Spaniard quite well and hitting through him. But, you know, even at the United Cup as well against some top talents, he looked pretty, pretty solid. So I I don't know about Carlos here. We haven't seen him play a lot of tennis this year. He's still very young. He's going to win a lot of grand slams, but he's not going to win every grand slam. You know, and, and there's also going to be a lot more in his way than just Novak Djokovic. We've seen that over the years. Even the last time he was here in Australia, losing to Matteo Berrettini in uh, in what was, I think, his debut at the Australian Open, and then last year he was injured. But I think Casper has what it takes to actually beat Carlos Alcaraz. I thought a weaker version of Casper Ruud um, was was pretty pretty close to doing so at the U.S. Open final a couple of years ago. And uh, it, you know, it really, just his, his game, his level was not there. But I think he's playing a lot better now. So I actually think he could win that quarter. Um, I do think he will be. I'll, I do think he will be at Alexander Zverev. And if he does meet Alcaraz in the quarterfinal, uh, I I, I kind of have a feeling that he might win that match. So that's the only real value I'm seeing right now in terms of quarter winners. Just to give you an idea of what I think is going to happen in the other ones, I think. Uh, I still have Grigor Dimitrov coming out in the third. Yeah. I think Alex D. comes out in the second, and then uh, the Mr. Novak joke. Comes Love in the it. first.
1: Kenny, thanks so much, man. I'll be cheering against uh, Tommy Paul with Jack Draper tonight. I grabbed that myself, and uh, I know you post your full card over at Twitter. Thanks so much. Good luck tonight. Get some rest.
3: Thanks, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, let's go, Jack. Up with the Brits.
1: <laughs> Kenny Ducey, right there. Action Network. Like I said, follow him on Twitter, Kenny Ducey, and he posts his uh, full card right there. But yeah, I like Draper tonight, too, against Tommy Paul. We'll take a quick break. You Better You Bet continues. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet BetMDM on the BetQL Network. On the BetQL Network, it's You Better You Bet, Ryan Horvath, P.J. Glasser. Also right now live on Stadium. Uh, Peej. Yes, sir. Since you've been gone, we have some breaking news.
2: Oh, which sport? Well,
1: it's college football.
2: Oh, coach? No. Oh. No. Player? Transfer portal stuff? No.
1: Gage Goldberg, son of former WWE star Bill Goldberg, is committed to Colorado. Did you see this? I did not. Did you also see Shador <laughs> missed the first team meeting. For fashion week that out I in saw. Paris yeah
2: he was out in Paris that but yeah I saw.
1: Bill Goldberg's son is officially going to Colorado does that do anything does that move the needle for you no no not even a little bit. are you getting a little worried about your crimson tide losing yeah. guys left yeah. and right
2: I did not enjoy waking up this morning seeing that Caleb Downs entered the transfer portal and now Caden Proctor's in the transfer portal too it's not
1: good yeah I was gonna uh, that was gonna be the second thing I was gonna tell you Caleb Downs we already knew about he's headed to the portal so yeah, uh, second a- team All-American as a freshman he's gonna go to Georgia yeah I got it's some good news though What's that. We're about to talk with our guy, Mark Drumheller, right now. That is some good news. Mark, how you been, buddy? Long time, no talk. How you? Let's actually start right here. Tough loss for your Philadelphia Eagles. Tough loss for me who bet the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> also, tough loss for anybody that bet the first half under. Should have just went full game. Nick Sirianni, is he the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles next year? Or is it somebody like, I don't know, like Vrabel?
0: Uh, I don't think he is. I mean, I, I would not bring them back and I, that's not just me being a passionate fan you know upset about the way this season ended but listen there are things that are going to happen we knew this would be a year of transition right they get two new coordinators you know they lose coordinators on both sides of the ball you know you're coming off the super bowl which is challenging enough for any organization you know you play the february and then you gotta you know recharge and, and get ready for a long season and they had that gauntlet you know towards the end of the year schedule wise but um I understand all that, but the, the issue to me is is there were glaring deficiencies in this team, as far as like offensive scheme, you know, ability to handle, you know, certain things, defenses were doing to them. A lot of the blitz, you know, cover zero, that sort of thing where there was no adjustment at all during any time of the season. And, you know, you can kind of give them a little bit of pass on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they tried to switch coordinators. They went to Matt, Patricia, they knew they're drafting at straws, but on offense there's just no excuse for him not to hop in there and be able to kind of remedy the situation a little bit like it just seemed like they were just like oh yeah you know they got us they're sending cover zero at us what to figure that out next year and we'll just lose six or seven games down the stretch and get embarrassed in the playoffs i need a head coach that's going to be able at least put on a tourniquet and stop the bleeding right like like listen you don't have to go back to the super bowl we understand how hard it is to get there but You just can't let the same deficiencies happen over and over again and have there not be an adjustment. There has to be adjustment. There's just too much talent on this team. So, you know, the defense side of the ball, I get. They ran out of gas. You know, it's unfortunate. That happens. They're on the field for a ton of snaps. But offensively, I mean, it it was just a train wreck. And teams just knew the formula and they just went out and, you know, did what they had to do.
2: Right. And, you know, the, obviously the formula that Tampa Bay used, Mark, was they decided to throw Baker early and they decided to throw often and attack that secondary. And I think that's going to be the same game plan when Tampa Bay goes up against Detroit this week. Right. I mean, we know the Lions can score, but they can certainly give up yards through the air, too. So when you look at this Bucks Lions game, Detroit favored by six and a half, the total 48 and a half. What are your thoughts on Lions Bucks?
0: Yeah, I think this game's going to be a lot of fun. Now, this is the one game on the board where I'm not 100% decided where I want to go, but I think you're you're right up my alley as far as how you're looking at the game. Um, I think we see a lot of points here. Like, I like, I think the Bucs offense has continued to get better. Um, listen, if if they were dropping balls all over the place, still scored 30 points on the Eagles. Now, everybody scores on the Eagles. I bet Tampa team total over 20 and a half, so it was no surprise to me. But I do think that it wasn't just the Eagles defense. Like, I, I think this Bucks' offense is getting better, you know, as we get come down the stretch here. And Detroit's defense, very vulnerable to the pass. So I think they're going to have a lot of success. And I think if you can get – Tampa out of that running on early downs and kind of like force them to pass, you know, which is, you know, better for them. I think that helps. So going up against this type of defense, I think helps them. And I think Detroit's going to move the ball all over um, Tampa Bay. So I'm not sure if I want to attack it. I don't really want to lay the points with Detroit now. We're up to like six and a half. This is a big number. I'm really looking at Detroit team total over. Thinking about full game over, but it's just a matter of like how much investment, how much Baker Mayfield and Buccaneers exposure do I want in my wager? You know, I'm not sure if I want to include them in the full game over or do I just want to do Detroit team total over. But I think we're going to see a lot of points. It's going to be a real fun game.
1: Let's stick with the uh, NFC then. Another high total. Green Bay on the road. Nine and a half point dogs in San Francisco. Niners nine and a half point favorites. Total right now 50 and a half. 8.15 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh been a nice little run for Green Bay. I think it probably comes to an end on Saturday night. What do you like here?
0: I like the pack. I I like the pack here. You know, give me the nine and a half. I will take it. Anything over a touchdown. Um, I like. I think listen, San Francisco is great, but the one thing that we saw, like, especially in that Ravens game, is if like you jump all over them early, then they, they have problems. Like, you know, Purdy turned into a completely different quarterback. You know, they they start scrambling Shanahan starts panicking. Um, They're the better team. The 49ers are clearly the better team. And if they jump on green Bay early, it could get ugly. And nine and a half could be, it could be very clear that nine and a half points isn't enough. But um, I I love what I saw out of Jordan love and, you know, in, in that Dallas game. And he just seemed completely unfazed. You love to see a quarterback do that. And there's so much familiarity between, LaFleur and Shanahan I mean these dudes went, You know came up in the business together They're from the same tree um, You know they know each other inside and out Green Bay's defense has some Deficiencies so you think you know San Francisco Is going to be able to score points here but I don't know man I mean I, th- I Feel like they're playing with house money and if they Can jump on San Francisco early I think they can make a game of it so um, I-, I think the nine and a half points is pretty Good here um, I-, I don't know if I Would to lay it you know with San Francisco Just because I think that you know Green Bay has the offense to where it could give them trouble. Like, if they can hold off the San Francisco pass rush, I think they could be successful. They don't have, like, one guy that you can kill, and they got a bunch of young guys jumping up and making plays on offense. You know, they're running the football well. And like I said, LaFleur knows this team inside and out. It goes both ways. Shanahan knows the Packers had a ton of success against them in the the past. But um, I'm taking a shot with the Packers here with the nine-and-a-half points. Um, I think it's just way too many here in this spot.
2: What about the Texans, Mark? Would you take a shot with them? Plus 9.5 against Baltimore. That line's kind of been going back and forth between 9, 9.5. The total is where we've seen movement. This thing opened up 45.5. It's down to 43.5. It's going to be cold in Baltimore. They're calling for 15 to 25-mile-per-hour winds. What are your thoughts on Ravens-Texans?
0: Yeah. I love me some CJ Stroud, but, uh, I don't think he can get it done here. Like I I like the Ravens, but again, like I'm not, I'm just not interested in laying nine and a half points, you know, against CJ Stroud and an offense that is moving the ball really well. Stroud's a guy who the moment's never going to be too big for him. You know, we saw how he acted last week, you know, in that spot, you know, with the game against the Colts comes out and throws the long touchdown. So, um, I think their game here, I don't think they can get it done and win, but I just don't want to lay this type of number. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play Baltimore team total over. I know that, you know, people are coming in. They're expecting the high winds. You know, they think that, you know, this is going to be a lower scoring game. I'm not so sure. I mean, I love both quarterbacks. I think Lamar Jackson has the type of arm strength to wear. Listen, if it is windy, if we get into 15, 20 miles per hour, I think he can get some stuff done. Um, and, and this you know, Baltimore offense, you know, really is different this year as far as how they can stretch the field. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. might get Mark Andrews back. He took a big step. So I think, you know, against a Houston defense, that's very good against the run, not really good against the pass. I believe they're 21st in EPA per pass allowed, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. Um, I think Baltimore is going to have a ton of success moving the ball on offense. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that it's going to be a matter of like, can, you know, Houston catch up? But I think the Ravens moved the ball here. Yeah,
1: I agree. We're talking right now with Mark Drumheller. It's You Better, You Bet, Ryan Horvath, P.J. Glasser filling in for Nick and Ken. Mark with uh, Fantasy Life, betting analyst, on-air host as well. Let's uh, go to the last game then. Let's talk about the big one. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, three-point dogs at MGM, but it's minus 120. Total in the game, 45 and a half. Mahomes and the Chiefs on the road, plus 120 on the money line. Buffalo, minus 145. Any props, side, total, anything that you like here coming up on uh, Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. kickoff?
0: Yeah, I absolutely love the Chiefs. I mean, you're going to give me, you know, Pat Mahomes. You're going to give me plus money. You're going to give me the key number of three. Like, I will take it every single time. I know Buffalo's won a bunch of games in in a row. Um, I bet them last week, which was kind of tough for me because I continued to fade them in that type of spot during the season Um, because I just think they're just not as good as, you know, the market, you know, projects them. Um, And I think this is another spot. I think three is way too much here. I think Chiefs are alive to win this game. I think they probably win the game. Um, So, you know, I don't think, you know, sprinkling the money line is a bad idea either, but I'll take the three points. Um, You just look at Buffalo, like even the game against Pittsburgh, um, you know, I I laid the 10 points. I feel like they should have won that game by 30 points. You know, they just find ways to let teams back in it. And I just think. You know, this Kansas City team, offense not as good as what it used to be, but love what we see at Arashi Rice now from SMU. My guy, man, he's really come on strong and is evolving to be that number one guy for them. And Buffalo's, uh, you know, injuries on defense, I think they're going to have a real hard time, uh, you know, controlling Kelsey. You know, Kelsey's a guy who's been, you know, on and off right but i think you can have a big game here they don't have like five i think it was five receptions for 76 yards for freemuth last week so um middle field's gonna be open and again pat mahomes andy Reid. all they heard is is oh patrick mahomes has to go on the road he's never done it before you know i think there's gonna be a big motivational factor there they know the bills inside and out the bills you know know them inside and out as well but i'm just much more confident in the chiefs and andy Reid. Um, in this type of game. So you want to give me three points and I, I can't pass that up.
2: Ryan and I, I mean, literally we are word for word with you, Mark, exactly everything you said. Mm-hmm. So in complete agreement there, when you look at the four games this week, any player props that you like, you know, you're mentioning Kel- Kelsey and rice. You like a shootout between the lions and the bucks, maybe something you've already bet or something that you're waiting to see if you can get a good number on in the player prop market.
0: Yeah, I really haven't dove into the props yet, you know. But, you know, I do think that they're the type of – if you go, like, game by game, like, I really think that – kelsey's a guy who's been down lately like hasn't you know had that huge monster game that we expect from a guy who's one of the best tight ends ever i think we could see that sunday especially with the emergence of rice right because now buffalo has to pay attention to rice you know it's, yeah. it's not no more like hey let them throw it to the receivers and let them you know drop the ball who cares like they got to pay attention to rice now i think that's going to open things up for kelsey um you know when you look at the detroit game I think it's Sam Laporta. Like, I think that you can really get busy. Like, I think tight ends are going to be big. And I think you can really get busy on this Tampa defense. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, Bowles likes to go after people. If he goes after, you know, Goff, that's going to be his safety valve there. So I think we could see a lot of Laporta um in that matchup. You know, but th- I mean, those are, you know, the real two. The Ravens game, it's hard because I feel like the Ravens can can beat you a lot of different ways. And I think, you know, especially against that Houston defense, because Houston great against the run, but when you're playing Lamar Jackson on the other side of the field, like his presence alone just kind of like helps mess with other teams run fits. It helps other teams run the ball. So I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball in that game as well. You know, might look at some running back props on there, maybe some Lamar props, but that's kind of how I see it. I haven't really like dove into um, you know, the prop market yet. But if I were looking at it, I mean, that's that's where I would start. I think Laporta and Kelsey are, are two guys to really keep an eye on.
1: Mark, we got about two minutes. Don't want to put you on the spot here, but I know uh, you're like me. You like the UFC. We the got spot. UFC 297 coming up this weekend. Also, you were 2-0 and last night in the NBA. You had Philly and uh, the Clippers with us, I believe. Anything else that you like coming up either tonight or this weekend? Yeah, so
0: UFC huge card, UFC two ninety seven main event, uh, Drakus Duplessis against Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, you know, shocks the world, uh, you know, by you know, getting his victory over um, Adesanya. I had Strickland by decision in that one at ten to one. So I love me some Sean Strickland, but you have to bet each fight in its own entity, right? And I think this is a tough matchup for Strickland. Like I think Duplessis is a guy who you know really has that explosive knockout power, and it's just going to come down to whether. You know, Strickland can weather that storm early. We saw him against a similar fighter, you know, when he fought Alex Pereira, um, ended up getting knocked out in that fight. So I think that this stylistically, like this is a very, very tough matchup for Strickland, who's a volume fighter who, you know, is very good defensively, but he just wants to take you into the later rounds and let his cardio and volume take over. And, you know, he wins by points. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of, you know, breaks fighters down methodically as the fight goes on. And Duplessis is a guy who's just going to come right at you, throw everything at you, huge power, only takes one shot. If he connects, the whole fight changes. So um, I like him in this spot. Like, I think Du Plessis, um, you know, is the side here. I'm going to be betting him. As far as, like, the co-main event, Plaina Silva, Pennington, not real sure on this one. It's hard to say. Blaine Silva coming off the suspension. So that always adds a little bit of element of variance with that one. But, um, you know, I definitely like DuPlessis in the main event.
1: I like it, too. Even money, plus 105 right now over at BetMGM. I put that as well. Thanks so much, Mark. Enjoy the uh, games this weekend, man. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mark.
0: Absolutely, guys. Good luck.
1: Great stuff right there. That's Mark Drumheller. Give him a follow on Twitter on X, X underscore Drumheller. Uh, on-air host, betting analyst. With Fantasy Life, you Where hear him f- on
2: here. He's all over the place now. All over. Mark's the man. Where are they fighting uh, UFC this weekend?
1: UFC this weekend is, hold on, let me check here. I want to say, I don't want to say it wrong here. So it's not Vegas. It is in, no, it's in uh, Toronto. It's in Canada. Oh. Yeah. Want to make sure, though. Oh, it's in oh, Ontario.
2: I'm betting some Canadians, then. I mean, got to. You have to. You have to. Oh, we got Mark andre Berriot fighting. You got, you got, <laughs> he's on my y- card. Yeah, he's fighting Chris Curtis, Oh, no, yeah. So, I'm, you got your guy Arnold Mark Allen. Arnold
1: Allen's fighting. Mm. Luke, you coming by for UFC <laughs> this weekend? Hell yeah. Uh, we uh, are going to be back in about 20 minutes, and we got a whole lot to get to here. It's You Better You Bet, and it's Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser, filling in for Nick and Ken. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Ryan Horvath, PJ are here on the BetQL Network, You Better You Bet. Nick and Ken with the day off. They'll be back with you guys tomorrow, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, of course. You can check out the show, WatchStadium.com, for the next 20 minutes. And, of course, Nick and Ken will also be with you guys this weekend, getting you set for the divisional round of the playoffs. Like you said, man, I love wild card weekend, right? But um, divisional matchups, the best. It is. This is one of the best weekends. Next weekend also best. great. AFC NFC Championship Championship yeah. uh, Sunday is obviously great.
2: So oh, first two days of March Madness. That's one. Then yeah, there's a gap. Absolutely, absolutely. Then I think for ah, me, I don't know about the gap. There's yeah, a gap. Yeah. Then I think for me, it's Masters Sunday, and then like divisional weekend might be three. Yeah, like, It might you. It might be three.
1: I'm just glad you didn't say Opening Day Major League Baseball season. Then I know you have like the O's, so yeah, you have like nice. No, I'm very excited. Things. Although for you know, that. I'm, I'm pretty excited as a Cubs fan no, that's, for the first that's time up in a long there.
2: time. But I think those are the. three. Three. I, like anybody who doesn't say the first two days are March Madness or the one seed I can't take them seriously what are better two days than that you get basketball from noon yeah. to one in the morning and you're not bored you get four games at, at once I agree What's like, what's better? I agree. What is better I agree. Than That's that? the list. And the only other better
1: day I would say would be today, actually January 17th, because it's my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Great day. And then my wife's birthday. Always a great day. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about stuff that matters. Let's talk about some college hoops. I love this card tonight. I got, I got a couple bets. We'll uh, have the power hour coming up in about 17 minutes and we'll throw out our best bets uh, within the next hour, but let's talk some college hoops with Isaac Trotter. You can find him on Twitter or X Isaac underscore Trotter, national college basketball writer for 24 seven sports. Isaac, how you doing, man?
4: Doing well. I I think that discussion about the the best days of the year is remiss without mentioning Feast Week. That's a great oh, yeah. week too. You we just have basketball on constantly. You can just kind of chill and just watch a whole ton of hoops. That's one of my top three days for sure. Is Feast Week point.
2: Isaac? Is Feast Week better though than Championship Week? Because Champ Week too, man. When you get all those games on like Thursday and Friday, leading into Selection Sunday. I mean, both weeks are good. Yeah, but but... Feast
1: Week, you wake up with hoops and you go to bed with hoops. That's true. That's true. It's tough. That's quote. what I'm
4: talking about. And also from a betting perspective, you get to see the same teams day in and day out two, three times in a row. And uh, that helps a little bit too.
1: Yeah, it's true. Let's start with uh, Creighton UConn tonight. So UConn, the number one team in the country Creighton right now, 18th and UConn's at home, six and a half point favorites total in the game, 144 and a half, any uh side total or player props that you like in this game tip off coming up in about an hour and 15 minutes.
4: Man, it's tough because all eyes are on Donovan Klingon right now. His status, uh, he has been warming up so far, so that's a good sign. I think he tends to play, but if he does play, he's on a minutes restriction. But a fascinating matchup for me. I think it's a pass because I lean UConn, but I'm just a little bit hesitant because this Creighton team, what I like about them is the quality of shot that they give up. They're really, really good defensively at forcing a ton of tough twos. Uh, that's not necessarily, you know, UConn's strength. A lot of what UConn tries to do is some of their self generated offense. They have a very high assist rate, they run really great sets. But if they have to kind of bog down and get into that ball screen coverage, I'd look for Cam Spencer tonight. So if you want to play on this game, you want a little bit of action, Cam Spencer at 15 and a half points makes a little bit of sense to me because he's really, really dynamic from that mid post area. But I think it's a little bit of a pass for me because I'm not really sure how much Klingon impacts things because he is a huge, huge game changer. He changes what UConn does defensively and he changes who they are offensively too just in a big big way
2: Isaac what do you think about Virginia Tech and Virginia I feel like the way North Carolina is playing right now they're stealing so many headlines in the ACC you know these are kind of two middle of the road teams we know Tony Bennett Virginia always well coached always a team that's going to be on the bracket when March Madness comes around and Virginia Tech really needs a win you know they need this game in Charlottesville tonight so what are your thoughts on uh, this game side total props
4: Man, it's a big-time game, I think, for Virginia because, you know, we could talk about Virginia not making the NCAA tournament if they lose this game. Like, they they have not done very well on the road this year. Now they get to come back home. And for me, I feel like this is a get-right spot. I'm looking at Reese Beekman. I think he's the the head of the snake here. Over 21-and-a-half points, rebounds, and assists is a, is a really good number for him, a little bit lower than what he's usually listed at. It's usually around that 22-and-a-half, 23-and-a-half. And you don't want to put too much emphasis on what happened last year, but same backcourt for Virginia Tech, same backcourt for Virginia. And he he hit this number both times against these matchups last year. So, again, at home, playing a lot better. They have they got wrecked on the road back-to-back games. This is a big spot for them where they need to come back and play well. I th- I'm looking at his leadership tonight. I think he can get wherever he wants on the floor. And Nigel Pack and Hunter Salas are two lead guards recently who Virginia Tech's defense has had some issues with. So I think Reese Beekman's fingerprints are all over this game. I think Virginia gets it done here. I I, I really do. I think they've been way, way better at home, and I think they'll find a way to cover four and a half.
1: Let's stick in the ACC, actually. Uh, Florida State's actually been pretty solid this season, but if you look at it, like a lot of their wins at home, one of them was against Notre Dame, who's, I think, like the 14th best team right now in the ACC. Florida State, six and a half point dogs, Miami at home in this game, total 156 and a half. What do you like here, if anything?
4: This is a big time tempo matchup, right? Florida State wants to run. Miami wants to run. And who's the best in transition? Best transition player on the floor is Wooga Poplar out of Miami. He's been fantastic so far this year. He's finally healthy, shooting from downtown at a really, really high clip. And last four games, six different guys against Florida State have gone over 19 points of those lead guards, right? Lead guards against Florida State has been a real big theme for them all year long, have been able to eat. So Wooga Poplar, you can look at 14.5 points is a really good spot for him. 17.5 points in assists, I think, on ESPN bet is a really good number as well. So there's some really good options there. I think Wuga's set up for a big day. You can get a lot of catching two threes against this Florida State defense. And in transition, I'll bet on the most athletic player on the floor who can put his chin on the rim without even trying.
2: Isaac, you know, I don't like laying big numbers a lot, but I think it's a good spot for Houston against Texas Tech tonight. Top 25 matchup, they're mm-hmm. laying 12 and a half. It's not often you see a Kelvin Sampson Houston team losing two games in a row, but that's what happened against Iowa State and against TCU. They come back home now where they've just been demolishing people this season. I like Houston. What are your thoughts on the game?
4: I love Houston. I'm right there with you. I think this is a a really, really good spot for Houston against this Texas Tech team. Texas Tech is a little bit thin. That's a problem. They really are only playing like six guys, maybe like six and a half at times. That's a problem against a Houston defense that's going to really heat you up. L.J. Crier, I think, is set up for a real big smash spot tonight. I think his prop is only 14 and a half. It's a little juicy at certain spots, but I still think that's a great number for him. You know, he's one of the best shooters in the sport. He's a career 40% three-point shooter on elite, elite volume. And this Texas Tech defense has allowed over eight and a half open catch-and-shoot threes per game this year. So that ranks outside the top 215 nationally. So this is a spot where LJ Cryer is going to get a lot of looks. And this is a little bit of a deflated number as well because he's struggled a little bit. The last two games, he's really just had a hard time getting it going from downtown. But the volume has continued to be there. And I'm going to continue to bet on volume with with this guy who's a really, really big time scorer in a spot where, you know, Houston absolutely needs this game. And then you look at the previous history again, lead guards against Texas Tech. That's also been something that's that's interesting. Tyrese Hunter had a big game against them. Oklahoma State, both of their guards got there against them. Kansas State, both of their lead guards, Tyler Perry and Cam Carter got 15 plus points. So it's a really good spot for LJ Cryer against a Texas Tech team that they're they're good defensively. This is a really well-coached team defensively. But I'm just not sure they're really ready for what Houston's coming tonight because I've spent some time with Kelvin Sampson, and he's nasty. He's got some <laughs> nasty in him. I don't think practice has been too fun for the last few days with the Cougars. And I expect them to come out and play with a big-time edge tonight. It's
1: Love been a while since I've said this. I kind of, I really actually like this Kentucky team. They're yes. at home tonight, six-and-a-half-point favorites. They're laying against Mississippi State, total 156-and-a-half. Any look in this game?
4: Yeah, this is a Mississippi State defense that you've been able to get – Um, after them from three-point range a little bit Uh, so that's kind of an interesting aspect for me also transition defense for Mississippi State hasn't been a strength so if I think if you're looking at one Antonio Reeves has been eating in transition all year I think he's one of the highest points per game in transition so far this season if you look at some of those advanced metrics so that's an interesting look I kind of lean away from it though because that low post threat of Tolu Smith he's starting to really feel like himself again and you can kind of get something from a little bit of everybody in that Mississippi State backcourt you know if you're looking at few That's a really interesting team for me, Mississippi State is because they're kind of starting to feel like a team that could be pretty decent in March because you know they have the defense, you know they have the star power inside with Tolu Smith, you know they're going to rebound. But these guards are starting to play a little bit better. Josh Hubbard is a big name to know. He's only five foot ten. He's not a big-time prospect coming out of high school, but he scored almost 4,000 points in high school. Big-time score. That has translated right away for a Mississippi State team. So I kind of lean away from side and total on this one. If you want a little bit of action, I do think Antonio Reeves is set up to get some easy buckets in transition. Also, Justin Edwards is an interesting spot for him as well. I think his, his number was 7.5 earlier today. He's due. He's really, really due. And he's going to have some opportunities tonight where Kentucky's going to have to stay big because Mississippi State plays three or four, you know, six-foot-six-ish guys all at the same time.
2: Isaac, any thoughts on Nebraska and Rutgers? I feel like the story for the Big Ten, I mean, the last two, three years, is just bet the team's at home, you know? I mean, it's so tough in this league to win on the road. This kind of feels like another one of those games. If it was in Nebraska, I'd like the Cornhuskers. But because it's in Piscataway tonight, I would lean towards Rutgers. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I know they don't call it the rack, but it's really still hard to win there, right? (laughs) Like uh, Teams have a really hard time winning in that trapezoid of of hell. Uh, Rutgers is a really, really interesting spot here, though, for Nebraska, because Nebraska's resume, you got to win this game if you want to think about an at-large bid. That's a really good team, but they need to find a way to get it done tonight. I look at Jawan Gary. He is one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. He had an 11 offensive rebound game early in the season against Kansas State. His rebound prop tonight is just five and a half, and it's at plus money. This is a Rutgers team that ranks one of the worst in the country, allowing 40, like, rebounds per game. Juwan Gary is going to be really active on the glass. They have to play him because they have a lot of bigs on the floor. This number is a little bit lower for him than it usually is because of foul trouble in the last few games. That's a, that's a guy who – he's a junkyard dog. He just wants to play hard, chase rebounds all the time. He should cruise over this number if he stays out of foul trouble, which he which he should be able to against some, you know, some of those Rutgers wings that aren't super aggressive offensively.
1: Isaac, thanks so much, man. Enjoy the games tonight. Good luck. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for having me. Isaac Trotter, right there, twenty four seven sports national college basketball writer. Give him a follow on uh, Twitter, Isaac underscore Trotter. Good stuff, right there. I actually like this card. I like the
2: card. Jawan Gary was quite a pull, too. That's a former Bama guy. I forgot about Jawan Gary. He's still playing college basketball. Good for him. Always a good rebound. Hey,
1: what would you think about your boy Nate Oates last night, by yeah, the way? Yeah, you can't be pushing kids, <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right? It's just not a good look. I forgot <laughs> to ask you about that. Not a good uh, look. I
1: got one. All right, I got, we got power hour coming up, but one starts in six minutes that I like. Uh, I've been doing pretty good with these totals. I'm going to go over in Furman, VMI over 165.5. High-scoring game. I like the tempo for what both teams. What do you teams. know about
2: VMI?
1: I know that I bet this at 163 and a half, we're up to 165 and a half, and I'm feeling pretty damn good <laughs> about it, good. and I've had pretty good luck with these totals. So right. over and in Furman VMI, over 165 and a half, that starts in six minutes. Come aboard. Come aboard the Horvath Express with me, Peach.
2: VMI is
1: what I'm V-M-Y, asking. VMI, no, not
2: VMI, why would you do that? I don't know. Furman, do they have some guys from the uh, tournament team last year? Yeah, they still got a couple of they, those they dudes. They still got some dudes? All right. Yeah, how is VMI going to be able to stop them?
1: How is how's Furman going to be able to get stops in know. this game? That's, Man, what, that's I, what the masses are asking. Let me asking. tell you,
2: I liked Houston tonight. Did you like how Isaac was just, I love Houston. Oh, God. I love Houston, too. It's the better of the night. Yeah, I like the spot. Houston, I like
1: the spot. I got a couple like uh, that I like tonight as well. We'll talk some NBA as well. Final hour coming up. You better you bet. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser filling in for Nick and Cat. you better you bet.